This trip is brought to you by our good friends at CoinKite. CoinKite's here. They build the best Bitcoin hardware in the space. I'm rubbing my block clock right now. Have you ever rubbed your block clock, Logan? No, I'm not weird. Yeah, it doesn't feel great. It's not a rubbing product. It's a looking product. You look at it. It gives you great stats on the Bitcoin network. You set it up. It's a beautiful, aesthetically ple- pleasing piece of hardware. It keeps you updated on what's going on in Bitcoin. That's just one thing. That's just like the fun things that CoinKite makes. They're very fun. They're very cool. They also make the best security hardware in the Bitcoin space. Their wallets, the MK4 and the Q1, both come with two secure elements. Uh, both are NFC enabled. Both allow you to create private cu- public key pairs offline in an air gap fashion so your private keys never touch the internet you can add entropy to your private key with dice rolls as well with both products a bit different mk4 looks like a little calculator the q1 is a full keyboard device with a bigger screen uh, qr scanning capabilities uh, and it has a battery pack as well again the most secure hardware on the market allows you to create your private public keys in an air gap fashion it's the best way to do it. Adding entropy to it as well. Eliminate single points of failure. Cold card helps you do that with their hardware by keeping your stuff offline. They also have the SATS card, the tap signer, the SATS chip, a bunch of things. Go check it out at coinkite.com. Try RHR. Just try it. Tell me what happens. Nobody's told us, Logan. Have you tried it? Uh, I have not. Have you tried it? I have not. Maybe it's on me. Maybe I should go try it. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained. We talk about them in this episode. They're doing it the right way. They're a financial institution of the future, building their whole company off of Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. They have their Vault product, which is a two or three multi-sig, in which you hold two keys. Unchained holds one. Since you have those two keys, you control your Bitcoin. You can move it whenever you see fit. If you're ever in a pinch and need Unchained to be the second in the two or three multi-seat quorum, the second signature, they're there for you. Uh, they have the trading desk where if you buy Bitcoin through their trading desk, it goes straight to that vault that you set up. So there's no pulling out keys, wallets, addresses. You buy Bitcoin, it goes straight to your multi-seat cold storage vault. Single points of failure are eliminated in that model. Unchained never holds the Bitcoin. You don't buy it. On Unchained, it sits on exchange. No, you buy it, goes straight to your multi-sig cold storage. Whether you're an individual, high net worth individual, a family office, an institution, a sovereign wealth fund looking to buy Bitcoin, hit up Unchained's trading desk. Go to unchained.com slash trading to check it out and enjoy this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. The button has been hit. You're live. Oh shit, the button was pressed. Button was pressed. Did we do everything right? <laughs> we'll find out. You're stressing about it. Let's see. We no, check. I mean what we pressed go live. Um between this and 
dispatch and and tftc we've cumulatively pressed live like 800 times and i still i i'm still not sure if it's going to work every time i press it she's like up oh, here we go let's do it let's do it live yeah we're still figuring out everything on the side of things uh my laptop sitting on a stack of books mats on a stack of something production it's a stack quality, of headphones you know, it's, all, it's all about the content you know production quality like to see it increase matt's got a nice clear camera right now but it's all about the content we've got a lot of content to i talk guess about you today. don't even you don't even press go live anymore you have you have logan do it for you yeah and he's still he's still working on it too he's uh he gets nervous every time he has to go live but you should see it in person obviously not in person today back in my father-in-law's house on the back porch studio you can tell because you can hear the birds cool. if you're listening to the podcast feed. You can hear the birds. We did uh, the last trade earlier. I forgot about the noon bell. Of course, I was in the middle of uh, an impassioned monologue, and the noon bell went off here. My neighbor's probably on his way down the mow the lawn, mid-rip for RHR. It's that time of year again, freaks, down the shore. I, it's stormy here in Nashville, freak. So, uh, if the power surges, I will join back in when the power comes back. Yeah. Or we might get in a situation where the power just goes out, and the episode ends at that point. So just well, that, be aware, freaks. Well, don't blame it on that. We'll we'll be able to to claim that people are censoring us. They don't. That's want to the talk. blue checks. We use that. Yeah, we use that as a growth hack. It's. The WEF and BlackRock are, are trying to divide us by getting Marty to comply with identity, identity verification on Twitter. No, no, no. We, we weaponize the identity verification to, to mock BlackRock Straight cope. in the West. Straight cope. No, it's no, going to no, age no. extremely so, poorly. It's going to age extremely poorly, Marty. Anyway, once BlackRock pumps our bags, we will get a generator at the park um, and redundant internet, so we won't have to deal with that. <laughs> Well, the redundant internet, what would that be? Fiber or Starlink, which in the case of a storm it, would it, be unreliable. It can't, it, it, well, it can't be Starlink because uh, Elon's going to try and silence me. So I need, I need redundant internet that's, that's Elon resistant. Yeah. Oh, the problems of our days. It's always something. It's always something. As, what the heck just happened? <laughs> what are you doing? He flipped us, Logan. Get it together, <laughs> What is going on? He's, he's definitely yourself. freaking out over there. <laughs> Do you have an explanation, Logan, or are you just gonna play silent because I can't <laughs> see you? But... I I didn't have the scene locked when I made this new thing for the remote, and uh, apparently keyboard shortcut B just flips it to that camera. <laughs> That's pointed at nothing. Yeah, okay. Good to well, know. It's pointed at something. Ah, uh, lots to talk about. News regarding the debacle at Prime Trust was released this week. We've got uh, good Bitcoin tech being released to market. We've got Jerome Powell 
on Capitol Hill saying eh, recessions in the likelihood of probability, uh, probability. Um, but as we do always, let's start with Clark's dashboard to check the state of the Bitcoin network. We're currently sitting at thirty thousand six hundred and thirty cuck bucks. One cuck bucks going to get you three thousand two hundred and sixty-five sats. Almost at a six hundred billion dollar market cap. Currently sitting at five hundred ninety-four point seven billion. We are at block height 796,436, which means we have had a difficulty adjustment since we last met here on RHR last week, and that adjustment was a negative 3.3% adjustment. Blocks came in at 20, 10 minutes and 20 seconds on average during the last difficulty epoch. And it seems like it fell off towards the end there because the estimate was around 2% for, for about a week. Uh, we are 1,900 blocks exactly from the next adjustment, which is estimated to be on July 13th. Um, so exactly two weeks from today, that is looking like a 0.6% adjustment. Uh, not very accurate, though, as we're only one th 116 blocks away from the last adjustment, which happened yesterday. There are currently 133,892 transactions in Clark's mempool. If we go over to Wiz's mempool, we see that there are currently 324,248 transactions uh, fees per block are around 30 to 40 million sats over the last three, 30 to 50 million sats over the last three blocks. Uh, they're currently 8,000, we're over 8,000, 8,029.87 Bitcoin in unspent capacity in Samurai's Whirlpool. That is an unspent value of $246 million on the nodes. That's the state of the network. I still think it's higher than that. Yeah, I, I saw 10,000 on Twitter, somebody referencing 10,000. Well, no, that tweet was like, I think we'll break 10,000 because... Um, from Econo, I think it was from. The, yeah, the Keeper Wallet team just released uh, Whirlpool on, and, on their Android app. They already had it on their iPhone app. And uh, Eco was doing his uh, best caps Odell, and he said 10,000 Bitcoin in unspent capacity. By conference day? I don't know if he said that. But he definitely said 10,000 Bitcoin in unspent capacity. Yeah. Um, but but I, I remember that they're like their calc... Uh, I, I believe Clark admitted that his calculation was off and he was going to fix it, but I don't think he fixed it yet. But I don't know. Verify yourself, freaks. It's high. It's large. It's growing. It's growing. I think it's growing is uh, the most important What's thing there. What's the unspent transaction count uh, in Wiz's mempool? UTXO. It's uh, Marty. Do you still think mempools are going to clear by Christmas? Unconfirmed. It's three hundred twenty-four some odd thousand. Um, yeah, I'm optimistic. You're not feeling that FIFOMO yet? Not yet. Not FIFOMO. Maybe block clearing. Uh, anxiety. I still yeah, have some. I still have uh, some channels that sats per byte. that that LND bug uh, close force closed channels that just haven't confirmed that have just been sitting in limbo. What are the few rates at? I don't know. One sat per byte. They're low. No, I think they're not that low, but. 
they're lower than confirmed amounts. Because they're force closes, so you don't choose the fee rate. The client does. And the client obviously has a bad fee estimator. I think it has something to do with what the fees are locked in at your channel. Because it's it's a multi-sig transaction, right? A lightning yeah. channel is a two of two multi-sig uh, multi-sig Bitcoin transaction. And I believe when the forced close happens, whoever opened the channel is the one who pays the transaction fee. Um, and I think th th that fee rate is almost locked in. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But those, I have, I have these channel closes that have just been sitting there that obviously I like, I didn't press force close. My channel partner didn't press force close. They just force close themselves and they're just sitting there in limbo. Hopefully, I mean, you should be praying for blocks to clear. No, I'm sure they either time out or I could figure out a way to accelerate them. But I'm, I feel like if I go through the trouble of doing that, then I'm just going to jinx myself and mempools will clear. So um, I haven't gone through that trouble yet. Yeah. Well, good luck. I wish you luck. Disclosure. The longer they sit in limbo, the longer mempools will be busy. Uh, I see what you're doing there. So you're going to wait until you win the bet and then use... Well, actually, if you win the bet, we're just even. I don't owe you any money. Um, yeah, but it's 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 not about the money, Marty. It's about being right. <laughs> it's it's the principle. <laughs> That's what Bitcoin. It's about, about sending about a money. fucking message, Marty. It's about sending a fucking <laughs> message. The message is you were you were wrong. I was right. It's about being right at the end of the day. No. Technically um, not wrong yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yet being the, the key word there in that string of words. We'll see, though. we got a lot of time. It's June 29th. Got about a little less than six months for this bet to move in my favor. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I will. I will say when we initially made the bet, though, I wasn't expecting BlackRock, Fidelity, all these companies to apply for a Bitcoin ETF that could be, or could not be, approved in the third quarter of this year. The BlackRock ETF is going to be improved, approved. It just depends what the timeline is. It just depends when it gets approved, but it will get approved. Always bet for corruption. The suits are overthinking it. Well, I think the approval timeline is pretty clear. It should be within seventy-five days of the filing when it gets launched after that approval or denial gets denied. No, they can extend. They can extend. Oh yeah. I think so like the soonest it can get approved is the soonest it can get approved is mid August. And then they could extend, extend, extend and approve it in January of next year is my basic understanding of it. Yes. You see, we'll do the extension. So I think it either gets I think it either gets approved in August or it gets approved after the two extensions. But I think it gets approved. Okay. It's going to get it, it will get approved. BlackRock owns everything including yep. the blue checks. 
And there's been a lot of uh, talk about what's going to be necessary for that to get to approved, predominantly revolving around um, the liquidity of the exchanges and their surveillance sharing with. Doesn't matter. Uh, Overthinking it. Yeah. I agree. It's BlackRock. I agree with you that it will get approved. <laughs> um, and it doesn't even fucking matter because even if it didn't get approved, BlackRock trying to get an ETF is a signaling mechanism to a bunch of rich people all around the world to try and front run BlackRock. So they're pumping our bags regardless. Yes. The pump has cooled down a bit. We're hovering right under um, under 31,000. Pumped pumped up to 30, and then we've been, been hovering. We'll see, though. We're not here for price talk, though we do think Bitcoin will appreciate uh, pretty massively in value. Uh, we're here to talk about what's going on in the space. Prime Trust, big news this week, again. What was what was that file that was released? Is that just receivership was proceedings? It was the bankruptcy stuff? bankruptcy files or something? If you saw his business discover a major hole, whatever it is, um, it's a regulatory filing. Um, it was it was because they went into receivership. They went into bankruptcy, so there's all these this paperwork that goes along with it, and yeah. gets released publicly. It's like the court yeah. filing. And we discovered that Prime Trust has essentially been running a Ponzi scheme for the better part of the last two years. So the backstory on how they came to run a Ponzi scheme stems from an epic blunder in private key management, or at least that's how it's being presented. Who knows whether it was overt fraud and stealing Bitcoin or I don't believe it, Marty. Incompetence. I you don't believe, believe it. that it was pure incompetence. No, I find it hard. Well, to I will say at at the very least, at the very least, their official claim is. They realized in December 2021 that they accidentally lost a bunch of customer Bitcoin. And it is June 2023, and we're just finding out about it. So that period between December 2021 and June 2023 is straight up fraud, no matter how you cut it. But I also, you oh, know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be fraud. surprised if someone has, that, someone has that Bitcoin somewhere. Yeah. And so diving into the details of how this fraud came to be, apparently in 2021, I believe in June 2021, Prime Trust transitioned January. their custody. January 2021. So the beginning of 2021, they transitioned their custody from an in-house solution uh, to Fireblocks. And for you freaks who are unaware, Fireblocks uses multi-computation, uh, multi-party computation, uh, to do security for crypto assets more broadly, so they do Bitcoin and all the shit coins as well. Uh, and they basically run the back end of a bunch of exchanges and third party custodians that touch Bitcoin and shit coins. And so in 2021, January 2021, Prime Trust moved from their in house setup and started leveraging Prime, or excuse me, uh, Fireblocks at some point. In 2021, uh, the story that they're going with is that they began, for some reason or another, feeding addresses to their customers uh, from their 
in-house setup, their legacy address setup that they thought they were pulling from Fireblocks. And so that accumulated a bunch of Bitcoin into a key setup that they claimed to not have had access to. And so there was a period of time where they were just dumping Bitcoin into uh, public addresses. Into the old wallets. So keys, yeah, into to old wallets that they claim they don't have access to anymore. And so that built up uh, basically a hole in their balance sheet that they then used U.S. dollar balances from their customers to try to make back by speculating in shit coins. No, they were, they, yeah, they were using customer balances, customer dollar balances to try and buy back the lost assets uh, secretly. Um, I mean, look, I will say this. First of all, so they they had old wallets um, and then they transitioned to, to Fireblocks and then they had new wallets. And supposedly they kept sending Bitcoin to the old wallets um, and the old wallet keys are lost. That's the sum up of their explanation. Um, and then they found out that about a year later in December 21 is when they supposedly realized that. And then they kept it quiet and tried to use customer funds to fill the hole of of customer Bitcoin and other shit coins. Um, if, if, if they in fact were sending it to old wallets and there wasn't actually stolen Bitcoin there uh, and stolen shit coins, then they should have a full receipt of all of those addresses that they were sending to. Um, and we should be able to check the different blockchains and, and see that those funds have not moved. Um, and those funds should presumably never move. If they ever move, that means uh, that money was stolen and not lost. And that, you know, a, a extremely egregious fraud occurred. Um, but with all that said, the cover up that that followed um, is straight up criminal behavior uh, is 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 what happened, no matter how you cut it. I mean, they covered it up for for almost two years, uh, unbeknownst to presumably their business clients and the ultimate and retail users of those business clients. Um, meanwhile, Scott Purcell, who was the founder of Prime Trust, at some point during that period, left Prime Trust and started Fortress Trust And he is currently being sued by Prime Trust subsidiary bank, B-A-N-Q, for taking um, corporate secrets and proprietary information to basically launch a competitor. But I find it hard to believe that he's not complicit. Once again, not a lawyer. And I've only briefly looked at these documents. But I find it hard to believe he's not complicit in what went down in Prime Trust. I mean, he was in charge at that time. Yeah, and he was president. Even after he left as CEO, I believe he was still on the board as like president and director. So would have had to have intimate knowledge of everything going on. In an aspect of the bank um, claims, BANQ claims as well, is that he didn't only bring over proprietary information and um, technology, but he also illegally like transferred funds of bank clients to, to Fortress as well. Uh, and there's missing funds. Yes. So it stinks. So 
long long story long um if you are relying on fortress trust right now you're a fucking idiot um i think that much is clear um i think the prime trust hole is actually bigger than they make it seem to be because they say they still have 80 million dollars in assets but it appears that the majority is this shit coin that's called audio that i've never heard of presumably has something to do with music on the blockchain and uh that's completely illiquid there's no way they're going to be able to sell that for 80 million dollars it's already worth less because the market immediately reacted um but yeah so so we basically had a bunch of companies that were relying on uh a bunch of like brokerage services and whatnot that were relying on prime trust who were then relying on fireblocks um, and Prime Trust also was relying on like five different banks. So it's just third party custodian, like third party, trusted third parties all the way down. They're all security holes, security holes compounding on top of each other. Um, and and there was massive central centralized points of failure all throughout the stack. And we're seeing we're seeing the end result of that of that now. And this is why it's incredibly important for uh, first of all, first and foremost, for every Bitcoiner to learn how to self-custody, it's not as difficult as you think it is. Um, hold your own Bitcoin, hold it offline, learn how to do it, get comfortable with it. Then nobody can rug you, period. And second of all, if you're running a Bitcoin company in the space, to control your own infrastructure and control your own destiny. So if anyone rugs your customers, at least it's you. <laughs> Completely agree. And... To add to this too, it's like going back to what happened. There's a couple of really big glaring issues, both on behalf of Prime Trust and Fireblocks. So, like, how are number one Prime Trust? Even if you did do a, like a security setup transfer from an in-house solution to Fireblocks. Like, why would you burn the private key that gave you access to those wallets? Like, this is where the story doesn't add up. Because even if you did make that transition, there's a possibility of a client not realizing you made the transition and yep. depositing Bitcoin to an address they previously used. In which case, you would want to have access to that private key to make sure that you could write the wrong. And then number two on Fireblocks part, like at this situation where Prime Trust was a client of Fireblocks and they were accidentally sending Bitcoin to legacy addresses that they previously controlled, like Fireblocks as a counterparty in that interaction, that business, that B2B relationship, if that was going on for long enough, wouldn't they be able to raise their hand and say, hey, like we haven't seen any deposits from you guys or the amount that we expect to, to be getting into the wallets that you have with us? Like what's going on? Like shouldn't they have seen some things that that would seem suspicious on their end. Yeah. The whole what thing is, fucking stinks, Marty. The whole thing yeah. fucking reeks. Yeah. It reeks bad. Yeah. You don't burn private keys and then like fireblocks. I wonder, cause that's something that really hasn't been discussed or talked about. At least I haven't seen it. Like how did they not know that this was happening? It's either, a sign of incompetence or lack of focus or attention to detail in their business relationships or there's something fishier going on. 
Yeah. No, I mean, the whole thing's incredibly fucked up. Yeah. So going back to repercussions, I mean, again, like Matt said, if you're leveraging Fortress uh, now, it's probably not a good idea. You probably want to begin transitioning away from them again. I see a bunch of people in the comments. Horrible fucking idea. Yeah. A uh, bunch of people in the comments mentioning Swan. Yes, Swan has transitioned the U.S. dollar side of their business over to Fortress. The Bitcoin side is handled by BitGo, from my understanding. So there's half exposure there, but still, yeah. Anybody using Fortress right now should probably be trying to get off as quickly as possible. Because you have to imagine that Scott Purcell, who is the... Uh, founder of Fortress and is going to be heavily embroiled in the investigations stemming from Prime Trust. Um, uh, you have to imagine that's going to significantly hinder Fortress's business, which I think you also have to assume is is run a bit fraudulently as well. Um, yeah, I mean the risk is less so with Fortress right now. I mean there's always a rug risk, but the risk is less so a rug risk and more so. Um, like regulators might just shut down that business at, at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so specifically because I don't know, I mean, if you're storing Bitcoin with them, then there's a probably there's a rug risk because Bitcoin's the most ruggable asset. Um, but if you're using them for the fiat side, it's more of a like a denial of service type of situation. Yeah. Funds can get frozen. And likely will, if we're being honest. Yeah, and the it's also and by the way, more Prime Trust was a, a was a qualified, qualified custodian. custodian. Just to... <laughs> but how do you, how do you how are you able to keep that qualified custodian designation if you're allocating your your custody set up to another company? Is Fireblocks a qualified custodian too? Dude, the whole thing is just fucking fiat bullshit. The whole qualified is like, Matt, be you know, I agree custodian. with this. We're just trying, we're trying to like every, walk through this. You know, every, I agree with you. Every Bitcoiner, every Bitcoiner has the ability to be, have a qualified custodian in their pocket. <laughs> Why are you relying on the fiat bullshit? Yeah, that was a great tweet from Phil Geiger this week. You can be your own qualified custodian. So, uh, yeah. And also like, um, I mean, Leishman made a good point though. I mean, I think anyone who's advocating for um, more regulation here, I mean, I, I think this proves that the regulation does not protect anybody. And 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 the, the big the big concern is if we have people in this space that are advocating for more regulation, that the only people that can custody Bitcoin is like these qualified custodians then we just have massive central points of failure with just like a few trust organizations that are blessed that still might commit fraud rather than a bunch of different companies that have their own reputation at stake and are holding their own infrastructure and and working with their customers directly which is what we really want we want i mean we want everyone to hold their own keys period but um companies companies should and should and should be encouraged to control their own infrastructure, control their own destiny, and manage that relationship with their customers directly um, in a proper free market of ideas and products. 
Yeah, because <clears throat> the truth of the situation is, is that legal and regulatory structure is simply not up with the times when it comes to Bitcoin security. And like Matt said, if you do have overregulation, it tries to funnel Bitcoin custody into the hands of a select few quote unquote qualified custodians, which are proving not to be particularly qualified to custody Bitcoin <laughs> to trust. Exactly. Um, but it gets to a point too, like we talk about <clears throat> Bitcoin's network distribution works in fractals. Obviously you have the node topology, you want the decentralized network of full nodes around the world. You want decentralized network of hash rate around the world. That's true for private keys too. You want decentralized private keys. And like Matt said, like Bitcoin as a network, as uh, an ecosystem is much more robust. If you have a distributed network of companies that manage their own infrastructure uh, and their own private keys set up instead of allocating that to a select few. Um, that obviously, we should note, like, even in that setup, there are companies and custodians that can mess up their private key setup and rug their customers, but it'll be isolated to that their customer base. And just imagine if somebody like a Fireblocks or a BitGo, um, it, like, people are forced to use them, and God forbid they have something go wrong with their setup. It could be terrible for the market overall. Yeah, just hold your own keys, freaks. Become unruggable. Best way to not get rugged is to be under the rug. That's holding your own keys. Um, but yeah, fallout from this, Coinbits, uh, which was a DCA app, in the Bitcoin, they've come out uh, via email, via their blog, and via Twitter yesterday, essentially saying that they've been caught up in this um, and don't have any, any any recourse available to them at the moment. So they're on pause and um, their customers are affected. Uh, trying to think of who else got caught up in this. I mean, Binance US was using them. I'm not sure if they got off, but... Yeah, I don't know. Do I don't know who else. Tired? No, I just don't know who else the creditors are in this situation. Um, I mean, I assume there's a bunch of small services. Like, I wasn't really familiar with Coinbits um, that got caught up in it. I mean, there is $150 million in liabilities. So there's presumably a decent amount of creditors. Uh, obviously, there was a bank run on Prime Trust in the lead up to this. They had significantly more assets um, under their custodianship, even just three months ago. Um, there's a lot of speculation that there's going to be clawbacks. I do not expect clawbacks. Uh, not a lawyer, but do not expect any kind of clawbacks, especially if you withdrew yourself and you were using one of these services and you're holding in your self-custody. Um, but it should be interesting to see how it all plays out. And I would just say, um, now more than ever, if you are running a Bitcoin company, your number one priority should be controlling your own infrastructure and controlling your own destiny. And if you are an individual Bitcoiner, 
your number one priority should be learning how to use Bitcoin and how to hold it yourself. Uh, it's not as difficult as you think it is. Life is fucking complicated. When humans need to find a way, we find a way. Everyone is, most people have figured out how to drive a car. Every mother in the world has figured out how to raise a kid. Y'all can learn how to hold Bitcoin. We will make it easier. The tools will get better. There are many of us focused on it. But in the meantime, it is easier than you think it is. You just have to realize the need. Stop getting rugged and hold your own keys. Yeah, and to that point of things getting easier, if you're a company who does not own your infrastructure stack, it's never been easier to do it thanks to companies like Cash App, Unchained, River, Galois, um, Strike to an extent with Zap, um, that have open sourced their stacks and their wallet infrastructure and their node infrastructure. And so you do have the shoulders of giants that you can stand on, sort of see what they've built out in the open and incorporate that into your business. Um, well, I mean, even, even, um, I mean, I, I think that's a good point. A lot of, a lot of, of companies have tread before. Um, so you can learn from their mistakes and, 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 and what they've learned in general, uh, because a lot of them have been very open about it, but also you know, a company like Bitcoin. They have, a lot of open source, they have a lot of open source projects that you can use. Yeah. But where I was going with this is, uh, most people aren't familiar is, is BitGo has two products. Um, BitGo, BitGo has a product that they're the full custodian of, um, which is pretty questionable if a company uses that. Um, but then BitGo also has a multi-institution, multi-sig, where they only hold one key. And the company involved holds the majority of keys, so they control their own destiny in that regard as well. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of different paths you can take. Um, but at the end of the day, basically what you should be asking yourself is who can rug my customers? And if it's anyone besides yourself, um, you're, you're playing with fucking fire. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the one rug you may not be able to protect you and your customers from is the U S dollar side of things, the banking relationships, but, Oh, you can't uh, protect against least. that. <laughs> no, the very least you can protect yourself and your customers from Bitcoin custodians rugging. You can have multiple banking relationships, which is good. You know, diversify your your risk. Uh, but yeah, the fiat side, you're going to always have risk there. And then also, uh, like the government regulator <laughs> side, like that those those rugs are coming as well. Like all, all these regulated Bitcoin businesses, couple, they're a couple corrupt regulators away from being being put out of business at any moment. Yes. But even with that, I mean, we have the example of BitMEX where that was the case, but because they own their own infrastructure and did a uh, multi-jurisdiction, multi-sig, even as they were feeling the pressure of the U.S. government and embroiled in litigation they were able to process withdrawals because of the way in which they they set up their multi-sig but they had, multiple they had no fiat no fiat yeah 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 but that i mean bitmex stand by this 
think still to this day, the best Bitcoin native product that's ever been created since Bitcoin launched. Um, the way they did it, I mean, it proved they they were all going to jail and they were still able to get their clients their Bitcoin because of the way they set up their multisig. Um, if you put the word financial there, I'd probably agree with you. Like a exchange financial product or something. Financial product. There's a lot yeah. of great Bitcoin products that have been released. Yeah. Bitcoin At the end of the day, BitMEX was mostly company. a casino. Yes. <laughs> they made yes. a... A, a very a very robust censorship resistant casino on the back yes. of Bitcoin. But it also allowed I mean BitMEX too, yes, it was predominantly overwhelmingly leveraged as a casino where you send your Bitcoin and it gets burned on leverage. But it also provided a lot of value for a lot of people who were looking for like synthetic st- stable coins essentially when they would be living under a Bitcoin standard and needed some stability in terms of US dollar value of their Bitcoin and they would take commensurate short positions on BitMEX to hold that value in. Predominantly a casino, but did have other other benefits as well. Yeah, you can do just a one a X short and you basically have synthetic dollar exposure, but you'd have massive custodial risk. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean thinking adversarially about this and it's something we've said on the show and what you just mentioned with BitGo, I do think on the other side of this cycle, multi-institution, multi-sig will be the standard or should be the standard, whether or not it will be is another, um, another question. But I think with everything going on right now, it's becoming glaringly obvious that it is a superior model uh, if you're going to be interacting with custodians that handle your Bitcoin. Um, But taking that further, like you should have multi-institutions spread across multi-jurisdictions if you really want to be as robust as possible. A hundred percent. I mean, it doesn't really help you that much otherwise. Yeah. All right. It helps. Next up Not on the much. list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up on the list, Riot just signed a massive deal with MicroBT. They're not only um, going to be buying a massive amount of their ASICs, their What's Minor ASICs, 33,280, which will uh, increase their self mining capacity to over 20 exahash, which is pretty massive. Um, they have the ability to purchase up to 66,560 additional miners as well with that agreement. But on top of that, um, they're really going to push forward the manufacturing of the what's miners in the U.S., um, which is which is pretty big. That's been a big thing in the mining industry is the risks that exist with um, all the ASICs being produced in Southeast Asia, predominantly China, Malaysia. Thailand and the loose, somewhat loose, more direct connections with China. Um, a lot of miners have to get creative it, when they purchase their ASICs to get them in the States without touching China. So they don't have to pay the tariffs. Um, and so the ability to have the ASICs manufactured here in the U.S. will 
completely prevent them from having to worry about that. So uh, it's a pretty big deal. One for Riot, which is predominantly bit, bit main heavy to date, um, seeing them diversify their ASIC fleets into what's miners uh, is, is a pretty big development for them uh, as a company. And then just overall for the mining industry here in the United States, having MicroBT manufacture some of their machines in the U.S. Uh, is pretty massive. Nailed it. Yeah. And that's like, I think there's, it's been little known. I mean, I wrote about it last year, but MicroBT was, has been, excuse me, has been manufacturing um, machines here in the U.S. Kevin Zong from Foundry um, really drove that effort and uh, got it started last year, I believe. But I think Riot throwing their weight behind it will ensure that, that manufacturing facility is able to stay up and running and service clients in the U.S. Are you, are you looking at the comments? Yeah, I'm sorry. BTC Pay Server represent. <laughs> Um, and a thing to note here was, too with the, <laughs> with the manufacturing in the U.S., I think it's like a technicality. It is technically manufactured in the U.S., but still the chips, the hash boards, I think everything. I was wondering about that. I was going to ask you: Do they like I ship it here literally. and just assemble it here? Yeah, I think it's literally just assembled here. I could be wrong, and I do think I am wrong. Now that I think about some of the videos that. Kevin shared in the past where it does seem like there is some like printout of hash boards at least, but the chips will still be manufactured um, in South Korea where Samsung operates. Got it. Well, one step, a step in the right direction. Yeah. Gradually, then suddenly. Reshore, reshore. Uh, and yeah, like we said, we had a negative three point. You can hear you typing when you like mash you your keys. It sounds like, yeah. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just command tabbing to the list so I can see it. Be aware, be aware freak. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was going to add there is negative 3.3% difficulty adjustment. We touched on it last week, but, um, Seems that demand response in Texas certainly did affect hash rate and led to that lower difficulty adjustment. And that'll be interesting to follow this summer. It seems like it's going to be a really hot summer in Texas. Uh, have you read up on the transition from La Nina to El Nino that is causing these weather occurrences in the U.S.? No. You want to? Yeah, apparently. I, you want to let us I mean, know. We do know that I did take one meteorology class uh, in college. I don't know if we, we covered La Nina versus El Nino, but apparently we're tr transitioning to El Nino. No, we're transitioning into El Nino, apparently, uh, which is driving a lot of moisture up from the Gulf, which is making it very humid in Texas, in that part of the country, and then a bit arid up here in the Northeast. Apparently, it's just going to be really hot and humid 
in Texas because of this, dry and cooler in other parts of the country. And apparently we're going to have a pretty, uh, pretty crazy hurricane season this year because of this. Be aware, freaks. These waves are on the way. Anything else to add on the mining? No, I mean, uh, I'm just props to the riot team. They're fucking crushing it. Yeah, yeah. Always crushing it. They got their Corsicana site in there too. I think that's actually where a lot of these ASICs will end up. They're building that gigawatt facility out in Corsicana in Texas, um, and I believe they they're not going to build out one gigawatt and then plug in they'll build out chunks and then plug in as they go so i think this first tranche will be going to um we'll be going to uh the first build out of course corsicana i don't know where that is but it's like northwest of austin i believe got it yeah, no, I mean, they just keep stacking and keep building, and uh, it should pay significant dividends to them uh, in the bull market, especially oh, since yeah. mempools will never clear again. Well, if El Nino has its way, it will definitely prevent blocks from clearing as quickly as I'd like. Mar- Marty's already setting up his excuses. Now he's got meteorology excuses. Mempools would have cleared if it wasn't for the damn El Nino. Uh, spiral grants. Two new spiral grants, or one new, one renewal. Matthew Ramsden. And then there's another uh, one on the list next. right after it. So there's so we got three spiral grants. Three grants. One new, two renewals. Matthew Ramsden, who I have to say, has one hell of a golf swing. He was in my foursome at the first ever Bitcoin park. Uh, what are we calling that? Golf outing? The golf Bitcoin tournament. park golf classic. The golf classic. Matthew is in my foursome. Dude can drive the ball. He can also contribute to lightning. Um, so he got a spiral grant to uh, work on LDK and BDK, I believe, correct? Uh, yes. Or LDK. LDK specifically. I thought his major focus was on the BDK side. Matthew's also planning to work on LDK node, Bitcoin dev kit scripts, Bitcoin dev kit. See, there you go. Fine rigs. So we, um, so we, Matt is fucking awesome. Um, He runs our bit devs here at Bitcoin park in Nashville. He runs our monthly bit devs along with Steve Myers and P. Um, and both him and Steve, you know, Steve has been focused on the BDK project. Um, but yeah, I'm very grateful to, to have them both in Nashville running our bit devs and as members of Bitcoin park and, uh, very grateful for them working on Bitcoin and I'm grateful for spiral for funding them. Obviously Pavel next is a good friend of the pod. Uh, he's mostly been focused recently on, um, stratum V2, uh, but He's also one of the legends behind BTC Pay Server, um, and he's he has his own uh, Bitcoin uh, local community space in uh, Belgrade, 
Um, so huge props to him. That's incredibly well deserved. And then the third one is a renewal for Thunder Biscuit, um, who I had the uh, fortune to meet um, this year. Um, and he's been focused on BDK and he's just another fucking legend. So just really great to see across the board. And, uh, I'm glad they're getting supported for their open source work. Uh, you know, BDK, LDK, um, the LDK node is basically this idea of LDK is, um, is more building blocks for people to make lightning wallets. And so is BDK and LDK node is like just you take BDK and LDK and you you have it in a like a pre-built default configuration that makes it even easier to build apps. So the work that that everyone is doing that is contributing to BDK and LDK is basically doing all of the hard stuff, doing all of the extremely hard, very security focused aspects of Bitcoin wallets and different tools. Um, so then other people can build on top of it and we can have a very diverse ecosystem of different options available to Bitcoiners, which is exactly what we want to see. Options are good. The more options, the better with many different trade-off balances. So people can, can choose which tool is best for their situation. Yeah. And if you talk with some of the devs who are on the cutting edge of lightning development, that are somewhat agnostic to the implementations that are used. Uh, a lot of them are saying LDK is really uh, superior. <laughs> I'll just put it bluntly, just to, to how modular it is. And the fact that it was built in Rust, apparently building on LDK allows you to create really unique experiences that just aren't possible. And, clients or implementations like L&D or Core Lightning because um, they sort of lock you into operating in a particular fashion where LDK's modularity allows you to get more creative with, with implementation and app design. Yeah, but the irony of that is like that's part of the reason why LDK adoption has been slow, which is why LDK Node is coming out um, so that you have less modularity and just easier to work with but but that it just means not only do users have options but devs have options right um, yeah the more options the better uh mutiny is completely built on the ldk bdk stack um and the 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 gents over at mutiny rave about it so it makes their project yeah. possible what are What's the room looking like, or what's the capacity looking like for the Lightning Summit next month? Is it sold out, or is there still room to get in there if you want to? Uh, you know, there's there's still some room. Um, the guest list is fucking stacked. Uh, if it if you if you're interested in joining us, it's BitcoinPark.com/lightning23. Um. I released a preliminary teaser schedule that I should have put in our group chat, but I did not. Um, but that's on my Twitter. Um, but but yeah, the guest list is absolutely stacked. Um, we're targeting uh, probably a little bit over 200 people. It's going to be very intimate. Um, 
contrary to what the blue checks have gotten used to is there's there's no vips at the park everyone's a vip um there's not two tiers of tickets it's just a single ticket lunch is included on both days breakfast is included on both days full days of content on both july 13th and july 14th um we are grateful to have nifty nifty nay come in uh lisa uh, to run her base 58 course in the beginning of the week um then we're going to have a what Bitcoin? No, then we're going to have uh, Bit Devs on Tuesday the 11th, open to the public, free, as always. Uh, and like I said, that's run by Matthew uh, P. and Steve Myers. Um, and then right after that on the 11th is going to be what Bitcoin did live. Um, then on the 12th, we're going to have our open house social. That's also going to be lightning focused, free, open to the public, expecting maybe 250 people to that. Um, and then the 13th and the 14th will be the lightning summit, two full days of high signal lightning content and discussion. Um, and one thing we do with the park, which is interesting is no photos, no videos, all the panels, all the content is recorded audio only. Now panelists have the choice, uh, if they want that to be published to the Bitcoin park podcast feed. Um, some panelists have already opted out of it ahead of time. Um, I expect a decent amount to opt out of it after the fact. Um, and that is beautiful because the type of discussion that I want to foster at the park that we want to foster at the park is the type of conversation that you might not hear anywhere else. It's not the same old bullshit. Um, it's things that people want to talk about in person off the record um, so you have to show the proof of work and come join us in Nashville. So I hope, a, I hope to meet a bunch of freaks there. I will have both. Uh, I will have, I will have these no blue check hats at the park. Um, I will be verifying if you have a blue check and if you don't have a blue check, uh, you are welcome to a hat, but you have to come in person and shake my hand. Um, I will obviously also have still dispatch hats. And uh, for Rob Hamilton, who's not listening right now, I don't because I don't see him in the live chat. I did place an order for the Bitcoin Park members' hats, um, so Bitcoin Park members can walk away uh, with their membership hat. And one other like small little event that'll be going on <laughs> during that week is Thursday night, the thirteenth. Uh, us blue checks, we're gonna steal all the hats that you. Uh, you unverified freaks get. We're gonna have a, a hat burning ceremony. Um, to um, a hat sacrifice to the weft gods. Wow, noted. Um, we will prepare for that. Uh, but um, there will also be a obviously an in person uh, rabbit hole recap. Uh, we won't have a live audience for that, but it will be a party rip uh, in two weeks. And as me and Marty always do for our party rips. Um, we will not figure out who's going to join us for the party rip until about 15 minutes before the party rip. Um, so hopefully we have a bunch of ride or die freaks, uh, there and it's not, you know, way too oversaturated with blue checks. I mean, sometimes it's not even 15 minutes before. Sometimes it's 15 minutes into the party rip. We'll call somebody <laughs> down who's at the park and they'll come join us. It's true. It's true. Joshua, um, but yeah, no, come, come a ride or die freak. 
Yeah, resist the check. The comments right now. No, you don't have to resist the check. We're, we we resist love our the checks check. and our non-checks. Fuck uh, the checks. The checks hate you, Joshua. Josh, Demons. I don't hate you, Joshua. If you're uh, <laughs> if you're in the live chat, you're ride or die. And I don't think that's the only. Um, the only. Yeah, way there's not a. There's not a project formula. I mean, you can ask Carlos because mid episode he's become non ride or die and then become ride or die again. So it it changes, it fluctuates. Um, but uh, yeah, ride, ride or die freaks is more of a lifestyle. There's no there's no necessary there's no rule book there. But all jokes aside, you should consider coming out and joining us for the Lightning Summit for the whole week. Come out for the whole week. Um, we have a Marriott that's two blocks away. A lot of people are staying there. There's discounted rates. We got a discounted rate block. Uh, we're an easy drive from a lot of places in America. The airport is very convenient if you're flying in and cheap. So come visit us July 13th, July 14th. Come for the whole fucking week. Bitcoinpark.com slash lightning23. It's always a long week. Pace yourselves, freaks. Pace yourselves. Advice from a, a Nashville Summit veteran here. Next up on the list is Abby D. Launched time-based Bitcoin rewards for over 100 Android games. I didn't see this until you put it on the list. This seems pretty cool, though. I also didn't see it until I put it on the list. Um, I mean, look, this is... I, I, I think this is the thesis, right? Um, we're, watch, we're kind of watching the transition from... Uh, Bitcoin specific games to every game having Bitcoin involved. And I think the the starting point is almost these, these wrappers on top of already existing popular games. Um, but eventually we're going to get to the point where, <laughs> sorry, eventually we're going to get to the point where every game has Bitcoin in it. Um, I'm just laughing because Carlos is asking if I get kickbacks from the airport, he does show it a lot. I, Marty and I, Marty and I had to deal with tri-state New York airports for fucking years. Oh, I got and, a story. I had to deal with it yesterday. I got a story. And done. I don't, I like, it. it is hard for me to uh, make it, it's hard for me to overstate what a fucking joy it is <laughs> to fly into the humble Nashville airport or pick up someone from that airport. It is so much fucking easier. So unfortunately I do not get a kickback yet. Um, but if you are listening, uh, Nashville airport operator, uh, first of all, we would love to have you on the pod. And second of all, sponsorship opportunities are open. I'll show an airport if I have to. I'm in. Speaking of New York area airports, we typically fly into Newark when we come in from Austin, even though we're from Philly, just because it's like literally a third of the cost to get the whole family home from Austin to Newark instead of Austin to Philly. And so we flew in yesterday and it was going swimmingly. We got in uh, onto the plane on time, left a little bit early. Everybody got on the plane in a timely manner. We landed in Newark 30 minutes early and we sat on the tarmac for two hours with a three-year-old and a one-year-old that is not ideal and we were literally just standing like parked 
looking at the gates, and apparently there was backups. That's brutal. There was like flight delays at Newark, and the the planes were just sitting there for like two hours, waiting to eventually board to leave. And it's like, how do you not just let one pull out, have us pull up, deboard, pull out, pull in? Like it's it was fucking a whole infuriating. process. Literally infuriating. And we, we took an afternoon flight, like thinking we'd get down here in time for bedtime. Uh, so obviously we're at the Jersey Shore. And then we had not only did we wait on the tarmac for two hours, we had to drive two hours after that. So it was turned into like a literal eight hours of travel, two of which were just being stuck in purgatory on the tarmac. Yeah. So anyway, the Nashville airport's great. Consider visiting. So is the the Austin airport. Austin airport's great too. So it's like you go from the incredible experience of the Austin airport flying through security with two kids in 10 minutes to waiting on the tarmac and then trying to wade through the chaos that was Newark airport last night. Um, I'm sorry you had to go through that, Marty. Yeah. Or uh, normal talk. Marty got rugged by an airport. Airports do the most ruggings. (laughs) Well, I I think like it's a serious, like drive this like a serious conversation too. I, I think it's emblematic of like the decay caused by the fiat system, like decay in quality of services. Like once you get to this point where you're completely subsidized by the government, essentially, which the airlines proved to be after the lockdowns and the bailouts that they got during that, like there's no incentive to provide a really good service if you're an airline or an airport. Yeah, it's it's over regulation and broken incentives. There's yeah. there's there's no free market. There's no real competition that's happening. Um, there's a there's a disconnect between the the end customer and the actual provider of the services. Um, and uh, there's some Bitcoiners that want to see Bitcoin end up that way. And I am not one of them. Neither am I. But again, it, it gets to a scary level too, because I'm sure you've seen videos of it too. There's, you had that um, emergency landing the other day because the nose of the plane malfunctioned you had a video going around twitter of like the the engine of a plane like sparking up like it was obviously breaking um that's one thing many people don't realize when they fly is like a lot of the the fleet of airplanes like over 30 years old and due to the incentive structure that's been erected in the fiat system people really aren't incentivized to go learn how to be an aerospace engineer they'd rather go work on Wall Street, and you have this growing problem of technical debt across the economy, not only in the airline industry. We saw a bridge fall in Montana a couple of weeks ago. They're like, this is like a serious, I know you're going to say mandibles, but like, this is a true mandibles situation where. You haven't even read the fucking book. But I know, um, am I right? Yeah, this is like, this is mandibles. <laughs> I've read the book. You've read it to me, essentially. But it is... You're a, living the a, book. Yeah. The, We're all the, living the book. The, grow, the growing technical and expertise debt that is building in this country is scary, like, to the point where... Like, you talk to Parker. Parker, like, is making an effort to fly as little as possible because he thinks this is, like, an actual crisis that's going to 
continue to grow. It's like planes are just going to fly out, fall out of the sky and have like more emergency landings and shit like that. So that's why I want an airship. We have like, we have, uh, we have a freak, we have a freak nagging us that we don't fly. He, he's asking, he's asking why we fly scheduled and he's nagging us for, for not flying private. But I just want to skip that step and get my own airship. I feel like that would be badass. Yeah, we were promised flying cars and we've gotten planes falling out of the sky. This is your, this is your I would just say, I would just say that, um, there are concerns there uh, in terms of broken incentives um, and and flying is is fucking infuriating. It brings out the worst in everybody. It's just it's just gotten so much worse over the last I mean even if you watch if you watch any kind of movies or anything from pre 9-11 days it's just gotten significantly worse they added the whole tsa element and all that bullshit um but i do wonder how much of like the that aging fleet stuff is fear porn because i mean if you look at it statistics wise uh we do a lot of things that are considerably more unsafe than than flying in planes um sure i mean yeah and i i would say that you know part of the blue check program is to control the influencers so you can control the discourse and uh twitter is 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 quickly morphing into an elon psyop machine so be careful you know just modeling whatever whatever news cycle you're deciding to care about this week is based on whatever blue check tweet threads are 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 in your feed that's a very good point i saw you reply guy him with his um with the psyop machine what did you, you memed him you. He sent, no, you know, I just he sent I just congratulated him. I congratulated him because he was super excited about the Russian insurrection, you know, the 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 Russian coup. He was trying to get as many people talking about it as possible. And then the next day he just tried to pass it off. He's like, Oh, there's psyops everywhere. It's like, yeah, dude. Like that was completely manufactured by the Twitterati and the blue checks and and he yeah. supported all of it because it's, it's good for business it's really good for business i will consider ops are literally show. his business model it's the key aspect of his business model and i would say you know all jokes aside under the last twitter leadership there were there were uh significant concerns over shadow banning um and a lot of people spoke up about it including myself and I was shadow banned. But now anyone who doesn't verify their identity is de facto shadow banned. And the blue checks are silent because they're in on it. So fuck you. I don't want you to be shadow banned. All you have to do is pay eight it's, bucks a month it's, and not shadow banned anymore. It's not the payment, Marty. It's the identity <laughs> I verification. I know, I know. No, and you I will not be gaslit by a blue check. Um, I'm just trying to give you props here. Uh, you brought up a good point this week too. I think somebody mentioned it to you and you elaborate on it, which is a lot of the bots are getting blue checks now, which is the gateway to, oh, like you don't want the bots getting blue checked. You need to send us your ID to make sure that you're an actual human. 
Yeah, and then eventually, I mean, they're going to use they're going to use fake IDs. They're going to get around that process. So we got to scan the eyeballs, and then yeah. you know you might as well get you might as well get the chip in your head that Elon's developing the Neuralink. Will you ever get the chip? Uh, you're probably going to, so you can still post longer Twitter videos. <laughs> no, that's a step too far. Irises and chips in the brain too far for me. It's not happening. Noted. We'll see. Um, we got off track from Zebedee. I think you were making <laughs> Bitcoin and games. Billions of people are, are going to use Bitcoin and games, period. Very bullish on Bitcoin and games. And we will have yeah. – uh, not only will we have Bitcoin games at, that you can play with Lightning at the Lightning Summit, um, but we're going to have – uh, you know, great discussions about Bitcoin and gaming and lightning and gaming um, at the summit too, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. And I think an interesting thing to note with the Zebedee integration. Um, so they have in the announcement, uh, Zebedee app now offers a broader selection of playable games that include Bitcoin rewards. Thanks to a new partnership with advertising platform, Adjo and its playtime network. And so this is, something that's been discussed in the context of podcasting 2.0 uh, as well as like, you're probably going to see advertising platforms implementing this, like just paying people sats for viewing the ads like, you're getting paid for your time. So maybe it makes these games um, more likely to be played because people are getting paid, but they're also getting served ads. Um, it's not as, uh, transparent as uh, some of the ideas that you know, companies like Fountain are running with where it's like, hey, play this audio clip of an ad and we'll pay you sats. It's more, some I don't know if subversive is the word, but it's less, um, it's less transparent in the sense that you're getting paid sats, but you're getting paid sats because they're going to stick an ad in front of you as you play that game. Right, they're taking, they're taking the ad revenue and giving you sats for it. A, a small portion so they can yeah. still get their cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I look, my dream, my dream is, you know, to blow off some steam, you know, play a video game and have like a young kid in the Philippines, like spawn camp me and just kill me and take my sats. And, and I just, I just think that's the future and, and like a million other people being able to bet on, on all those, on all that shit at the same time without permission. And I think we're going to get there eventually, but it's going to be a, it'll, it'll be a slow, steady process. Um, but, but it will happen. It just makes sense. It makes too much sense to me. Play, playing poker, playing poker without money fucking sucks. It's boring. Playing poker with money it's a great experience. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great way to hang out with friends. It's fun. It's exciting. Same thing with games. We just, we just, you know, it, it'll take a little time for basically the larger game publishers to start to figure it out. It's, it's going to come from the challengers first um, who, who need to have an edge for some reason or another. Yeah. So shout out to Zebedee companies like thunder really pushing this forward. Um, Neil, Richard, and Adam at Dust App, uh, Dust Up, excuse me. Um, seems like the gaming culture 
will be injected with sats. And another thing to note too, I'm sure you saw this, but uh, the dude from Epic Games followed uh, JB55 after yeah, Thomas uh, got they're in war. They're in war against the App Store together. Um, you know, maybe that means we're a little bit closer to Fortnite adding Bitcoin, which would be fucking dope. Uh, it's a perfect fit. It really uh, is. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, he's been Epic Games has been fighting in the App Store uh, over their thirty percent cut of in-app purchases, um, and he believes so strongly in it uh, that not only did he pull Fortnite. Fortnite is available on every single platform, and it's a very unique game in that it's a AAA game. It's you know very high quality fleshed out game that makes billions of dollars. Um, it's available on every platform and you can cross play across platforms. So it doesn't matter if you're on PC or Xbox or switch or PlayStation, you can play with all your friends. Um, but not if they have an Apple product, he didn't only pull it from iOS. He also pulled it from Macs. Uh, even though on a Mac you can install without an app store, you're still able to install programs without app store because he was so pissed off at Tim Apple. Uh, he just pulled it from all Apple products, period. Um, so it's it's good to see a principal stand like that, even if he is a blue check. Isn't JB55 a blue check too? Can we check? There's a lot of disappointments, Marty. There's a lot of disappointments. I mean, I you know, our good not, friend who I have so there you go. I, our good friend who I have so much respect for, Jason Rick, um, was like was like asking for my approval on Twitter because he's a blue check. And like, look, like you're a brother. I have a ton of respect for you. Be better. You know, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. They're, they're, they're trying to defy us. Don't let them defy us. Resist you're the, the one check. doing all the dividing. You're doing the dividing. No, I'm not. I'm not. That's the Hegelian. You verified the fucking in, identity. You're creating the problem. <laughs> Um, we're about to get to the software update section of the show. <laughs> so let's jump to the top five or top four boostograms from last episode 258. You can't trust pride trust coming more obvious by the week at Stanyall ninth out <laughs> or excuse me, 99,999 sats, ninth across the board palindrome boost. I, I already regret applying for a blue check. Big mistake, but Marty made me do it. Love you guys. I did not make you do it. Stay home. Take some personal responsibility, freak. Thanks for the support. At Shania Twain. Shania is listening to the podcast. Wait, before you read that, Logan, are you the Logan in the live chat? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I'm Logan's both producing the show that. and is in the live chat. By the way, whoever asked earlier, that's what a ride or die freak looks like producing the show while in the live chat. Okay, let's hear from Shania. Are you having fun in the live chat, Logan? Whee! Is it fun? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shania Twain, 71,369 sats. Derby England is welcoming, welcoming y'all to our new meetup. Matt and Marty, thanks for helping igniting small community fires all around the world. Despite all of our perceived differences, we are strong together, and that's how we win even blue checks we are at btc derby on twitter don't don't denagrate thanks, thanks for your support freak and i'm glad uh i i'm the most bullish fundamental of bitcoin is is this grassroots 
uh, community development. So cheers to you for being a part of that movement. Yeah. So if you're around Derby, England, and you're looking for a new meetup, a Bitcoin meetup, go follow at BTC Derby on Twitter, D-E-R-B-Y. Pronounced Darby. It's apparently pronounced. <laughs> there you go. I don't know what you Brits and your English, you guys fucked up the English language. You may have created it, but actually, I don't even know if you guys created it. Who, the, who created it then? Did England create English? Did the English create English? Yes. Okay. That's why well, it's called it English. That's what I, that's what I what assume. What did I fuck up? Make sure being... Oh, they fucked it up. No. Yeah, they fucked up. Like, it's spelled Derby. I mean, like, why is it pronounced I Darby? can't pronounce things for shit. I'm, we're, we're both not great pronunciationers. So... You know, right, Matt, so my mom complains about the way that you pronounce important. Important. And tells important. me that I should tell you that. Also, uh, especially. No, I, I hear especially, that too. Okay. Well, I have to like think about it when I say it now. Well, whatever. Fuck you, you all. Stay important. humble, stack sets. I do like the way you say important. 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 Yeah, there's like a D in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I take I take that back. Uh, Logan, tell your mother I appreciate her and that I'm sorry about my poor pronunciation and I'll work on it. Listen, I'm getting roasted in the comments now for questioning whether or not English started in England. You know, it's a romantic language. There was <laughs> a long history going from Latin to the other I like language. Luke, Luke T. Do, do the French speak French? <laughs> Yeah, obviously I know the English speak English, okay? Did they create the language? I'm assuming so. I just want it to be historically <laughs> to speak Chinese in China. Uh, well, Lakti, uh, there's two. Is it Mandarin or Cantonese? Like, you have to ask these questions. You almost forgot Cantonese. I did almost forget Cantonese. Moving on. Okay, next, Eric ne next boost again. Eric 99 here to save us. Great advice. 50,000 sats. Stay humble, stack sats. And Thank you, at Mr. Mr. True rider, die free. At Mr. Mr. 13,337 sats. Blind boost. In parentheses, not listen, but I owe you boost until you bleed. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Blind boost. I like that. Let's I owe you a boost boosts. until you what? Uh, he owes us. That was one sentence. And the next sentence is boost until you bleed. Uh, all caps exclamation point love it all caps you don't need to bleed you don't need to bleed freaks but a nice blood sacrifice to the show is always appreciated um, the support is appreciated and uh it really does mean a lot seeing the sats come into our node because it's more than just uh the money it's it's the signal it's about sending a message and and it it shows it keeps it keeps us going it just keeps us going week in and week out um that you guys find this content helpful and you're enjoying it and thank you. We do appreciate it. Yeah, I love you, freaks. And I was joking about the blood sacrifice. We don't appreciate that. It's weird, demonic, satanic. Keep your blood. No sacrifices. Back to the, the list. Software updates. This is one I'm excited about. Interested to hear your thoughts on this, considering what's happened 
in this space, Matt. PayJoin Dev Kit was released by Dan Gould. Um, so PayJoin Development Kit, it's a full and completely standalone PayJoin implementation with supporting modules and enabling greater flexibility. So the idea, similar to BDK and LDK, uh, which have dedicated uh, development kits for uh, Bitcoin wallets and uh, LDK implementations, Dan has spun out uh, PayJoin development kit to make it easier to implement PayJoin into Bitcoin wallet uh, software projects. And I'm very excited about this. I've been saying it for a long time on the show. I think the normalization of PayJoin in everyday spending will do a lot to uh, improve the privacy assurances that Bitcoiners have as they're sending and receiving Bitcoin uh, throughout time. An uh, interesting thing with uh, PayJoin Development Kit and something that Dan has gone to the Bitcoin dev mailing list with is an attempt to solve one of the biggest problems with PayJoin historically, which has been the idea that you need an always-on server, an always-on hot wallet that is able to provide an input for uh, a PayJoin transaction if you're receiving Bitcoin. Uh, that is what I would argue is probably prevented Adoption up to this point, it seems that Dan has found a way to do this with a serverless uh, asynchronous pay join where you'll essentially uh, be able to do a pay join without having uh, an always on server. You'll be able to allocate um, sort of the, the construction it's, of the PS. It's like a relay, right? Isn't it someone yeah. else's server? Yeah, you're using somebody else's server. Somebody else has like a server on that you connect yeah. with. And have an endpoint. Um, so what are your thoughts on this? Is PageOne ever gonna? So he hasn't really he hasn't really removed the need for interactivity. He just kind of made it an interoperable server standard or something, kind of like Noster. Yes. Yes. And they're using a, I believe, Turn servers. I believe they're called T U R N. But he just he called it that, right? Uh, I know like that. that's I think something it might he created. Be. I don't think he did. I read the uh, the mailing list. It seems like it's something that's already leveraged by other things. I mean, look, I think it would be great to see more pay join adoption. So um, one of the common ways that surveillance companies uh, track our Bitcoin transactions is they operate under the assumption that when, when, you, when you send a Bitcoin transaction, um, it's really a combination of input and outputs. Um, so you take a bunch of unspent Bitcoin transactions that are inputs um, from your wallet and those get combined together. And then you have, usually in a typical Bitcoin transaction, you'll have two outputs. You'll have one output is the person you're paying and then the other outputs your change coming back to you. Um, so with a pay join instead, so one of the heuristics that the surveillance companies use is they just assume that all the inputs belong to the same person, which is the sender. And what a pay join does is um, you're, you're essentially the receiver is giving an input as well. Uh, so the receiver and the sender put an input in. And as a result, it breaks that heuristic if a lot of people start using it, where you get to a point where surveillance companies can't just assume that. Uh, that all the inputs are with the sender. Um, 
I do agree that the single biggest hurdle has been that the receiver has need to be online or like in person with you. You know, Samurai Wallet on mobile has the in-person pay joins. They call them stowaway, where you essentially you're there with a person and and of course you're paying them so they can pass that information back and forth because you have to construct that that transaction together. Um, we've talked about on on the show previously is is that BTC Pay Server has a pay join feature. Um, because the BTC pay server is already online all the time, right? So you're paying a merchant on BTC pay server. You want to buy a t-shirt, you want to buy ammo. Um, they can handle that back and forth, that information transfer, uh, because they're online anyway. Now I would say, um, and then, but the caveat there is that if you pay with lightning, you have actually have decent privacy from the receiver. Um, who is in most situations, if you're buying something online, uh, is should be part of your threat model, right? Like you don't want the person who's receiving money from you um, to to be able to track your transactions and know how much Bitcoin you have. Um, so I think it's kind of been this weird situation where if you're paying a merchant, you know, maybe maybe most people that care about privacy would be more likely to just pay with Lightning when that's supported. Um, but this is interesting because if we, if we get more mobile wallets to support it, if we get more wallets in general to support it, maybe when average people pay each other, they'll pay with pay joins for improved privacy, but there are trade-offs the, the main trade-off is the transaction is going to cost you more money. Um, the second trade-off is, uh, most surveillance companies are just going to assume that both inputs are from the same person. So you're kind of taking on that kind of liability from, whoever you're paying with, right? Um, you know, Marty goes online uh, and pays for, for, for illegal porn. Um, and then I try and pay Marty and Marty gives me one of his inputs uh, in a pay join. Then the surveillance company might just assume that I was the one who bought illegal porn, even though it was Marty. Um, so you have that as an adoption issue. Um, and th there's kind of like a threshold that we have to hit that is not an objective threshold. It's like if we hit 5% or 10%, maybe the surveillance companies will stop considering all inputs as belonging to the sender. So you don't have this immediate gain that you get from CoinJoin or, or Lightning. But regardless, these kind of building blocks in general are really great to see because once again, it gives users more options. It gives devs more options first, and then it gives the users of whatever the devs are building more options and anything that improves transactional privacy on Bitcoin is a win to me. Yeah. And tell them a little distracted here. Cause I believe I forget where it is. Um, to the point you made about these transactions being more expensive. I think he did find out a way to make it less expensive. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But it's always going to be more expensive um, because you're going to you automatically have more inputs. And and the way transaction fees are dictated are by the number of inputs is, right, is so one of the go. key elements. The more inputs you have, the bigger the transaction, the higher the transaction fee. So just to run with this, we can poke holes in it. PDK began as a Rust pay join side project library developed by Martin. Avostiak uh, at Kixonil 
2021. Up until then, PayJoin had been cast as a merchant slash client privacy tool, but Martin saw PayJoin as something more. He showcased PayJoin as a generic interactive transaction coordination early on. One of Martin's Rust PayJoin applications, Loptos, receives PayJoin to open batches of Lightning channels from an external PayJoin sender, reducing fees and eliminating one whole transaction from typical channel funding flow. So that's what I saw um, oh, in terms of batching. So that's for Lightning. That's for lightning. Yeah, so you could use it to batch channel opens on Lightning. Yeah, no. Uh, reduce fees that PayJoin makes a lot of PayJoin makes a lot of sense for Lightning channel opens. And that might be where we see the majority of adoption happen. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be willing to pay more knowing that you have the privacy? Obviously, if we're pumping CoinJoin in general. I mean, you're, you're, you're paying more to use CoinJoin, but with CoinJoin, you have very, uh, it's, it's very measurable privacy gains you get. Um, with PayJoin, it's not so much. It's a little bit more nuanced. Um, for Lightning Channel opens, yeah, like I pay a little bit more for a more private Lightning Channel open. Um, well, you'd actually pay less if you can batch them. Um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely pay less. I mean, there, there's a strong incentive. Um, well, then, but like I, if, if, if 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 I can, I would rather like if 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 something requires privacy that I'm purchasing, I I. I would like to pay with the lightning self custody wallet um, because then the receiver has no idea what UTXO funded that transaction. Um, and there's zero link on chain. Um, so, I mean, in, in that situation, I would rather if, if given the option between paying with lightning or pay join, it makes way more sense to pay with lightning. Yeah. I think something we say here often applies here too. Optionality is good. So I think the more optionality, the better. Yeah. Um, and then you but may mention when I was looking for for that stat. Like, what are your thoughts on the the fact that you don't need equal inputs for PayJoin? Um, you can break the common input ownership heuristic with unequal inputs. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't need equal inputs. Um, but I will say, like, look, like this is where. I, it does it to me. It doesn't obviate CoinJoin. It's just another tool. Um, yeah, it has different trade-offs. But the other thing, right, is like if if person A's UTXOs are all docs to a KYC entity that's keeping records, and then person B's UTXOs are all doxed to a KYC entity's records. Uh, and that those KYC entities are both sharing with the same surveillance company or the same government that's sharing with the same surveillance company. Then like you could be doing a pay join and they're just like looking at the chain. They're like, Oh, look, look how cute that is. Marty's doing a pay join with Matt. Um, we have all their UTXOs known. Uh, you just, you did nothing and you thought you might've done something. Um, no, but they still, so, in this case, they still want to know where they'd know it's one of two. They wouldn't know who owns what UTXO, and then as soon as you they, step outside of that, they wouldn't know. Track, they wouldn't know if I paid you. They wouldn't know if I paid you or you paid me, but they would know that a transaction happened between the two of us. Yes, they wouldn't know who paid who, and they wouldn't know who owns what UTXO. 
after the case. It just right unless yes, one of two. Unless you unless you know you fucked up your privacy in the future and then combined that UTXO with another UTXO that's doxed and known to you, uh, yeah, and didn't use a pay join, and then I wouldn't have any idea if you did that or not unless I was like actively sure. watching your coin history. Yeah. Good point. I think the overarching like, point of all this discussion is in the wake of everybody getting all horny for number go up because of BlackRock and others filing ETFs. Uh, it should be known and well understood that Bitcoin's privacy assurances are suboptimal right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. Look, I really like the idea of pay joints for Lightning Channel Opens, particularly if you save money, that's a really strong incentive. It's it's hard. A lot of a lot of a lot of people will pay more for additional privacy, um, and then there's but there's uh, the majority of people just don't give a shit, period. Uh, but a lot of people, even like the most amount of people, care about saving money. So if we're in a high fee environment and people can save money and have a better privacy uh, outcome for everybody, that's a massive win. But I will say in the pay join coin join argument. It often comes down to the fact that coin joins are very obvious on chain because you have the equal inputs. Um, you have the equal outputs where they're, this, where they're the same amount. Um, I don't really think that is necessarily, I think that's a feature, not a bug. Um, you know, I, if you use message encryption, everyone knows, everyone that's snooping on your message traffic knows you're, you're sending a message to someone encrypted. They don't know what you're saying. Uh, they don't know what's in the message, but they know you're sending an encrypted message. It's the same situation with CoinJoin. Uh, they know you're doing a CoinJoin, but they don't necessarily know, you know, they can't track those transactions going forward. It's very difficult for them to track those transactions going forward. So I don't know if it's it's necessarily the biggest negative of CoinJoin. I don't think, I think the biggest negative of CoinJoin historically has been cost. Cost and difficulty. It's just not very convenient. It's not as convenient as as sending a naive Bitcoin transaction, and it's and it's clearly more expensive. Um, but yeah, if we if if we can get pay join in in every Lightning wallet for every Lightning channel open, and everyone saves money, especially in very tight mempools, win massive win. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, exciting. I'm actually going to speak with Dan tomorrow on TFTC. Uh, that should be released on Monday. Logan, hope you saw that schedule change that I sent you earlier today. But uh, <laughs> it's business on air. Oh, I'm excited to learn more. Intuitively, it makes sense to me. Matt understands the logistics, the mechanics better than I I do. There are definitely trade offs. Like we said earlier, the more options, the better. So hopefully, BDK is successful in creating a good development kit that can be leveraged to create more options for more people. Here we go. Next on the software update list, NSEC Bunker version 1.0 has been released, opens up Noster for shared projects and companies. So what is this? Is this the uh, private key manager? Yeah, by Pablo. Is that a helicopter in your yes. background, Marty? Uh, a prop plane running advertising. 
I do hear I, I hear the birds too. Sorry. I've got to figure it out. My father-in-law's bedroom's disgusting right now. I can't go in there. <laughs> you going to do them like that? Uh, alien interference. <laughs> Just birds, Jimmy. Are birds aliens? Birds dinosaurs? No, your mic true. is doing like a new sound that we haven't heard before. Uh, I'll mute them. It's like crackling. Uh-oh. Alright, let me get through the software update list. Let me know if it's still confusing. Let's go for it. We're good. Stay humble stack. Nostur N-O-S-T-U-R T-U-R version 1.2.0 has been released. Uh, you can view long articles now. Tor browser version 12.5 has been released. This includes updates to circuit display, new onion site icons, improved connection experience, accessibility improvements, Finnish language for all you Finns out there, and many other improvements. Running Tor, Tor, excuse me, uh, version 12.5 <laughs> is now now uh, available. Blixt wallet version 0.6.8 has been released. Speed loader is that what they're calling this, or is this? I think it's released. Android focus on usability and user experience powered by LND Neutrino. Uh, Domus version 1.5 with removed note zaps approved by the App Store. So you can run Domus on iOS, but you cannot zap people anymore, which we touched on earlier. You can no longer Not send Bitcoin transactions to, to tip posts that you enjoy. Because Tim Apple told you you're not allowed to, and because you cannot install an app outside of the App Store on your iPhone, which is insane. Yeah, and add more color to this. Apple's complaints pretty much unwarranted. They're trying to claim that zaps within Domus open up access to digital content, which just isn't true. The content's created first, and then you tip the content if you like it. Yeah, I mean, Apple can just choose if you don't, if you're allowed to be installed on an iPhone or not. Period. Yeah. Which, like, for the history of computers, that's that's just insane that people buy this. You buy this a thousand dollar computer, and you don't get to choose which apps are installed on it. You have to go through this permissioned app store. Do you think uh, Jack Dorsey is successful at all in getting through to Tim Apple? We'll see. I mean, I think uh, I think part of the issue with centralized app stores and this permission kind of behavior is uh, there's going to be in- inconsistent treatment, you know, and uh, Domus, whatever, for whatever reason, got stuck in this reviewer loophole, this reviewer eye, right, where the reviewers are just paying a lot of attention to it. Um, there'll probably be a bunch of Nostra apps that get through the cracks that don't get banned for a while. Maybe they just start banning them across the board if they have any kind of zaps, any kind of Bitcoin transactions. I still don't think we're out of the woodwork in terms of banning Bitcoin apps. There could there could be a situation where Apple might even add it to Apple Pay uh, Bitcoin support and just say like all the other apps aren't allowed. Um, that's that's their control over the of their ecosystem on on iOS on Apple and iPad on on iPhone and iPad. Um, but long term, long term, I think Freedom Tech wins. 
Um, I think Bitcoin wins. I think uh, Noster wins. And um, if Apple doesn't allow those kind of apps, then consumers will eventually get upset and and move, I would hope, um, to, to a platform that would allow them to, to use the, the apps they want to use. Yeah. I want to hold your breath for that. That is a, actually a scary scenario. If Apple does add it to Apple Pay, they ban every other app, and we're wholly dependent on people essentially giving up their Apple products to use the wallet they want, and then people are just, most people are just leveraging Apple's wallet. Like, Marty, like, you would still use your iPhone in that situation, right? Like, you wouldn't leave. I have lines. I have lines that would, that would cross it. We'll see. Blue text, blue text, blue check. It's all intertwined. No, it all leads back to BlackRock and the WEF. You can just follow the connections. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, like staying on this too. Like, is this actually something we should be really worried about if that scenario just laid out happens? Because if we go back to the 2017 uh, fork wars, what really led to SegWit winning out over the, the two megabyte, uh, just pure block space raising was the fact that economic nodes uh, sent transactions that signaled for SegWit, and that's why it eventually won. Like, if there's a scenario in which Apple creates their wallet, doesn't let anybody else use it, and then their wallet's obviously leveraging their node, which Bitcoin becomes popular, and Apple becomes the most popular wallet in the world. Like, they're able to sort of manipulate and determine what is the Bitcoin, because they have most of the economic activity running through it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's similar... There's there's similar concern over any kind of wallet that gets significant market share, um, because if you're not using your own node to interact with the Bitcoin network, you're using someone else's node, and you're trusting them with both verifying the rules of the network, verifying if you own any Bitcoin in the first place, um, and trusting them with your privacy. Which is why it's important that we make sure nodes are very accessible and that people can use their own nodes. Um, I don't think that's a, re a real concern though, but. Uh, we can cross that bridge when we cross it, but uh, I'm going to be really disappointed in you, Marty, if Apple only allows you to use Bitcoin in the Apple Pay wallet and bans all Bitcoin wallets and you continue to use iPhone with your blue check. I'm just going to be... I'm just going to be so sad. It's just going to be sad. I don't... I'm, I, I probably won't have any... I probably won't have any energy at that point. I'll probably be very close to just worrying about goats and other stuff. But I'm going to be so disappointed in you. I'm not going to let you down. Don't worry. I've never done that. No, I don't plan on starting when Tim Apple cups everybody. How about that, though? President of the United States calls you Tim Apple, and that's your name for the rest of your life. It's just funny. It's very funny. It's like I know, I know his last name's Cook, but why would I call him that when I could just call him Tim Apple? It's just <laughs> fucking funny. He should embrace it.
I think he has. I think he has. You should also embrace Bitcoin in the way it's supposed to be embraced. At BTC Pay Server version 1.10.3 has been released. A minor update, a few bug fixes and improvements, nothing too crazy there. Bitcoin Keeper version 1.0.6 has been released. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, for the time being, you can now do Whirlpool coin joins um, using iOS. Uh, but now with this update, it's available to Android users as well. So beware, freaks. Cashew Nutshell version 0.12.1 has been released. This is Kaye's or Cali, however you pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> his nobody knows. His charming street in Spanish. Wallet. It's not. Uh, it's not federated. He runs it by himself. Uh, it is a pretty cool wallet. I tested it though. Um, so we're running. But this. anyone can run. Anyone can run. Anyone can be the custodian. Anyone can be the rug puller yeah. if they want. Yes. Beware. But not federated. Yes. Last but not least, on ministry, or on the software updates, Ministry of Nodes, Nodebox, plug-and-play Bitcoin node has been released. So this is a low-cost plug-and-play Bitcoin node. It costs as low as $300. They also have a higher. So could so our boy Catan, ride-or-die freak, uh, who's been patiently waiting for his one sap per byte transactions to confirm for months now, um, I was in, was finally got sick of all the underpowered Raspberry Pi notes. So now he's buying old Dell computers, loading them up with all the software you need. And uh, we'll sell you one preloaded um, if you want. He also has amazing guides. So you can just go and buy a computer and set it up exactly the same way on your own and learn how to do it yourself. But if you want to buy a preloaded one, um, he's he's willing and able to do that for you. It's a very affordable price. It's a very accessible price. And you do end up supporting uh, his educational efforts, his fantastic educational efforts uh, by giving him a small little cut of, of he's got a little margin baked in there. But uh, remember that obviously whenever you get any of these preloaded boxes, well, whether it's this one or the other one, there's, you're, you're trusting the person who puts it all together um, for you. So just keep that in mind. But yeah, Katan, we appreciate you, brother. Cool idea. Shout out to Katan. Legend. He's going to, yeah. I mean, he's wrong about one sap per byte forever. Like he's just, he, frankly, he's wrong. And I hope he just hasn't. Um, I, I, I hope he's managed his UTXOs in a way that he's not expecting one sap per byte forever because it can get quite painful. I'm with you, Katan. We're going to get our one sap per byte transactions cleared this year before Christmas. So keep them in the memory. Last thing we have on the list. I didn't catch this. It's cool to see. Sort of cool. Slovakia lowers Bitcoin capital gains tax rate from 39% to 7%. Should be zero. But it seems like the Slovakia. Gradually, Slovakia, then suddenly. Slovakian government's looking to incentivize Bitcoin adoption and usage. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see more and more jurisdiction. What? The uh, ready user, Baco, 
Reddit user Baco SVK laid out the country's rationale behind the tax increase uh, and reduction. Basically, nobody was putting their crypto profits to taxes, so this way people are motivated to acknowledge their gains. As a result, the decrease in tax will probably <laughs> increase the amount of tax collected. So everybody was just selling Bitcoin, not claiming it, and they weren't getting any tax revenue. So like, all right, just give us 7%. Well, what I was going to say is I think that um, there's advantages to different jurisdictions to become more friendly to Bitcoin, to attract um, to attract business and uh, increase tax revenue across different avenues. Um, so, I mean, Bitcoin is a global money. It is a global network. It's a global movement. Um, it has helped foster some of the greatest free markets humanity has ever seen. Uh, that trend will continue, and that trend includes jurisdictional marketplaces, essentially, where um, sovereign individuals choose which jurisdiction they want to be in based on a trade-off balance. Yeah. Slovakians, capital gains tax lowered. BTC pens incentivizes selling boo. Well, at least here in America, you have to pay capital gains tax even if you spend Bitcoin. So be aware of that. I know you're American, so um, if you're spending Bitcoin, be aware of that. Um, that's all we got for the list. That was a good two-hour rip. Rand Moore is yeah, saying I might be getting microwaved. Is my is my mic? Dude, it sounds so bad. It sounds uh, so bad, but at least, at least you sorry. got through it. We got through it. You're good. I mean, we could we could understand what you were saying. Um, I it's it's kind of a metaphor for what the people that don't verify their identity, their Twitter experience. Like this is this is what. Oh, you know what? Millions of us deal with on a daily basis. You had your now? phone on the line. No, it's still yeah. fucked. You yeah. should try and troubleshoot it off air before your next uh, show. Um. Or not, but definitely before next Thursday for the next rabbit hole recap. Um, get that sorted. Sorry, I just, I mean, before we before we wrapped up, I, before we wrap up, I just wanted to do a huge shout out to all the ride or die freaks out there, including uh, Joshua. I think we're kicking Joshua out of the ride or die club for complaining. <laughs> Yeah. I was giving him a bone. We might, we might, <laughs> like for now, we don't like complainers on the ride or die club. Fuck Marty, he doesn't, he doesn't get to choose. <laughs> um, this has been great. Uh, I, I, I'm excited. I feel like this next cycle is going to be crazy. I feel like we're getting started. Um. A lot of reasons to be hopeful. Very optimistic. Even. And um, I just think this was a good rip and it's been a good, it's been a good week. And I hope people start to practice self-custody more um, and learn how to use the tools. Well, that's, I mean, this prime trust stuff and layer custodian stuff is, Never fun to see. It's never fun to see people lose access to their Bitcoin or lose their dollars. But I mean, 
history has shown and time has shown, whenever these events do happen, whether it be BlockFi, Celsius, FTX, Prime Trust, Mt. Gox, people do learn Barry Silbert. or Barry Silbert, uh, and they do begin to self-custody, and that is evidenced in the fact uh, that the amount of Bitcoin held in exchanges is falling and has been falling pretty consistently. Yeah. I think it's at its lowest point the, in like two or three years. The path to hyper-Bitcoinization is billions of people getting rugged over and over and over again until they take self-custody and personal responsibility. And that is the unfortunate reality. And it sucks. Um, but it's also where my conviction comes from. Because that's how Freedom Tech wins. Freedom Tech wins by just people getting burned, 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 burned. And then realizing the need uh, for personal responsibility, searching for the tools. We need to have the tools and education ready for them when they do. Um, and we will. And uh, then we win. But there's going to be pain in the in the midterm. Um, and the bank runs will continue. Bank runs are just getting started, freaks. Yes, sir. They are definitely going to continue. And to Matt's point, people do need to get burned. They do need to get rugged. They don't need to, but they will. And that's how hard lessons will be learned. But we hope most do through this medium, some, some through skipping. the show, coming week in a week out. Hopefully, the show helps many of you skip the ruggings. Um, yeah, there are dozens of people that can escape it, which is good. The yeah. the every 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 person. Every person that gets to skip touching the stove is a win. Um, and every person that realizes after the fact and then takes personal responsibility and learns how to use the tools is a massive win. Um, yeah. I mean, with all that said, this is great, Marty. I love you, freaks. Love you, Marty. Thank you, Logan. Stay humble, stack sets. Love you, freaks. Love you, Matt. Fuck you, Logan. Uh, peace and love, freaks. <laughs> Resist the check.